it is the blackest of black comedies. Mm. What's going on at the Stables Theatre? I'm Stuart Bailey, and I've been meeting the cast of Entertaining Mr Sloan. A brother and sister both fall for a handsome young stranger who enters their lives. Will they succumb to his charms? Will they discover his murderous past? Can this play still be as sexy, subversive and provocative as it was on its debut 60 years ago? Remember when it was first staged, the reviewer said it made the blood boil more than any other British play in the last 10 years. When the delightful but dangerous Mr Sloan enters the lives of aged Kemp, his daughter Kat and son Ed, they're in for a few shocks. According to the cast, the characters are grotesques, and Alan Haynes, who plays Ed, says his character has absolutely no redeeming features whatsoever. It's the blackest of black comedies, according to Glenn Marks, who plays the elderly father of Kemp. Entertaining Mr Sloan was written by the controversial Joe Orton, about whom more at the end of this podcast. And there's no doubt he set out to challenge the audiences of the early 1960s. There's racism, class, sex and homosexuality. But this was 1964. It was a time of great change. It was the year when Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali. BBC Two was launched. And in South Africa, Nelson Mandela was sentenced to life imprisonment and sent to Robben Island Prison. I've been to speak to Glenn Marks, who plays Kemp, Vivian Patterson, who's Cat, Alan Haynes, her brother Ed, and Luke Perry, who's the enigmatic Mr Sloan. Entertaining Mr Sloan runs from March 13th to March 16th, and you can book your tickets at www.stablestheatre.co.uk or by calling the box office on 01424 423 221. It's a fascinating sounding play, and some of the descriptions that I've read, um, for example, Mr. Sloan is described as handsome, sexy, and completely amoral. Oh. Um, Great casting. That's a good point. We were pretty desperate. I mean, first of all, the, the, the thing is set in a boarding house which looks out onto a, a car breaker's yard. That sounds pretty grim to kick off with. Or is it? Shabby chic, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a fairly... Uh, it's, it, one's not sure exactly where it is set, but we're assuming it's in Greater London mm. somewhere. Um, I'm not sure if it's a boarding house. It is a house owned by Kemp, the yep. dad, myself, and lived in with his daughter, the delightful Kath, yep. and the sometimes occupant, the uh, semi-estranged son, Ed, whose background is uh, murky. murky. <laughs> to whom you haven't spoken for 20 years. To whom mm. I haven't spoken for 20 and years. I two motors, apparently. Which mm. one, One's a car and one's a motor. One's a car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and into that, that uh, family mix overlooking the, the breaker's yard, or I think it's just a rubbish dump, actually, mm. that it looks over, comes the, um, the delightful, dangerous... Sloan. Mr. Sloan, <laughs> the young man who Kath has picked up in a cemetery. And no, I picked him up in the library. Oh, the library, yes. I beg your pardon. And who both Kath and Ed take something of a shame to. Yes. We do. What can I, I say? I first see him when he's in his underpants. That's, mm. you know, that's not plot, plot spoiling. Hey, I get them off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is sounding better. <laughs> oh, it gets better. <laughs> 
Well, indeed. I mean, that brings us to the point. So it was written in 64. This is the 60th anniversary. So for a, an audience watching this in the, in the West End of London in 1964, seeing uh, a man have his trousers taken off and parading around the stage in just his skimpy Y-fronts must have been quite, quite a shocking sight, remembering that this is way before uh, censorship was abolished. abolished, thank you, in the theatre anyway. Um, and he reappears at a later stage in a, in a rather fetching pair of leather trousers. Oh, yes. So, tight uh, white shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, then it would have been really shocking that mm. the brother takes a shine to Mr. Sloan. Mm. I think we can probably deal with that now, but it is quite shocking mm. that there's a much older woman, yeah. significantly older woman, it's sadly. Very it's like a, you see me as a son. I do, and it's very odd, Um, and without giving too much away, um, I talk about you as a son, Mm. and then I talk about having my own baby as a brother. Very, very odd. Mm. That's one of the things that came across to me reading about the play. Relationships are all very complex. I Um, blame our father. I think something awful has happened because he's got these grotesque children. Yeah, yeah, and grotesque well, views as well. It's, and some grotesque views. I mean, yes, this is a play that it just uh, mixes. You know, it's got it's the the father character is a bit of a kind of Alf Garnet um, steptoe esque character, and it's so it's a time It's of its time in '64 where there is racist yeah. connotations. It's about class. It's about sex. But it's also quite daring that it's confronting pretty much full on, you know, homo eroticism and homosexuality in the flesh on the stage at a time when it was still very much illegal. And Joe Walton was doing it for shocks because he famously wrote a letter from Mrs. Edna Welford. Uh, complaining and saying this place should be banned and it's absolutely terrible and it shouldn't be shown and and that was his nom de plume it was him he was stirring it up behind the scenes before the play came out so don't go and see it it's disgusting a bit he like knew, this one really exactly he knew exactly <laughs> what he was doing because because Austin was a controversial character I mean ultimately mm-hmm. murdered by his his gay lover yes. um, so he himself was, was and had even before this had written some fairly um, racy stuff which sounds a terrible word to use (laughs) Um, how much pressure do you feel looking at the list of people who've who've appeared in this Beryl Reed, Malcolm McDowell Ronald Fraser, Harry H. Corbett, Sylvia Sims what did you do that for? one of my favourite actors is Melvin Staunton Um, no pressure (laughs) I think like well we haven't had a lot of time to actually we were like we'll cast in it was it December late. January yeah, it was a stop and start production yes, yeah. we lost the director and yes. things we were rocky to start with mm. um, so, we literally had what a couple we started mid-January was it but have, um, any, have you seen any of the other versions of this because I've a made a point of really avoiding them I've seen some yeah, stills I haven't, but I haven't you have watched to find the film. I've seen like bits on YouTube um which would be very interesting. I think you have to find um, your own character because 100%, yeah. in some ways Orton writes them in quite two-dimensional way. They are just grotesques and mm. he invites us to take a pop at them. But if you're playing a character, you can't really play it like that or not mm. properly. You've really got to have some sympathy and understand how your character got to be where the, they are. I think all the characters uh, are interesting because they are multi-layered in the sense that uh, your character, Kath, 
uh, on the one hand, she's she's like a um, a woman child. She's a young girl, but then mm-hmm. she is also uh, very flirtatious with uh, Mr. Sloan. So and also with Ed. On the one hand, he's very upright and or appears to be upright, but he's also got a rather sadistic streak in him. The dad, who's also appears to be a rather meek and ailing old man, also shows signs of you know rather steely, nasty views on things. So you can't be sympathetic, frankly, to any of them. They're not likeable characters. And the dad way. and Mr. Sloan get into a bit of a fight. In the, the More than a bit of a fight. But again, no spoilers. Yeah. 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 But I think we, people got to remember, it is a very funny play as well. Mm. Um, has a lot of these dark themes, but... It will have you laughing. Absolutely. Really You're funny. some good really Laughing and then going, oh. I should have laughed at that. No, Luke, Luke, Luke is correct. It is a comedy, but it is the blackest of black comedies. Mm. And in fact, Joe Walton is the, you know, the blackest of black comedy mm. writers. But so if, if you love listeners, if you like your comedy, dark, black. subversive mm. and black, then this is a show for you. What's going on at the Stable Theatre? And here's a taste of what's coming up at the Stables Theatre. From March the 6th to March the 9th, One Night in the Many Deaths of Sonny Liston by J.B. Heaps. One of two winners of the Stables 2022 New Writing Competition. It's late December 1970. The much-feared former world heavyweight boxing champion Sonny Liston is at home in Las Vegas, waiting for an important delivery. A beautiful stranger arrives with a gift. Sonny invites her in for a drink. As the evening progresses, truths are revealed and events take an unexpected turn. And for the multi-award winning Arthur Miller, elegy for a lady. A man enters a boutique in search of a gift for his mistress, who is seriously ill. He finds himself confiding in the proprietress, who seems to understand the situation almost too perfectly. Nothing is quite as it seems in this haunting play, by one of America's great theatre playwrights. From March 21st to March 23rd, Beverly Harling's Plowing the Salt Sea is back on the stable stage. It's a solo autobiographical piece of musical theatre, drawing on Bev's recently discovered rich heritage of centuries-old fishing family roots in Hastings. The narrative, drawn from the suds of the old town washhouse, told through the eyes of the overlooked women, seeks to rewrite the stories back into our current consciousness through original and traditional folk song. Then, on March 24th, if you like Streisand, then you'll love Stephen Brinberg's Simply Barbara. The show has twice toured Australia, New Zealand and England, with West End runs at the Arts Playhouse Theatres. In fact, there are a few parts of the world where the show has not been on stage. Tickets for these shows and many more can be booked via the Stables website, www.stablestheatre.co.uk or through the box office on 01424 423 What's going on at the Stables Theatre? I mean, th- this is a question to all of you. Um, when you saw this play was, was being done, was it something you all immediately thought, oh, I, I really want to do that? Or, you know, what's, what's the motivation I did because I love Joe Walton's work and had previously been in a production of um, What the Butler Saw. I was a fan of Orton's work and uh, any opportunity, but uh, the age I am meant I was either going to be cast as the dad 
or nothing at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> not Mr. Swan this time. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, I don't you in your leather trousers, I know, well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you can dust them off again. Yeah, I don't think I'd fit in them, though. And it's nice playing a nasty... I mean, my character hasn't got any... You know, a lot, lot of characters, you think, oh, they've got a nice side nut. He's yeah. just... No he's struggling to features. find it, no. But it's nice to play a character who's quite nasty. You know? <laughs> There's plenty to get your teeth into. I'm fairly new to the Stables Theatre. This is only the fourth play I've done here, I think. And I haven't played a role like this, so I wanted to challenge myself here. Um, and people might have seen me doing you know, Agatha Christie and being a sort of very nice young girl in the past. And I just wanted to show that there is more to me. My inner tart. <laughs> <laughs> I built the cowboy. That and, you're, to say that. and you're out of tart in Am this I show. Am I out of tart? Wow. <laughs> what about you, Luke? I didn't know too much about the play, to be honest. Um, I don't. What, what, what age are you? I'm 29. Uh, 20, the character's 20. 20 yes. Um, I did a Christmas Carol here, and um, I was told about the play. And I, what, what I was told was, if you're comfortable being in your pants for half the show, just do it because it's one of those plays that you just have to be a part of, yep. um, and that kind of sold it for me. Not being the past, but you. like, you know, um, <laughs> a really drama, character-driven play, and um, that's what sort of like, yeah, I need to do that. And I suppose because there's only four of you in it, that cranks up the intensity a little bit as well. Yeah. It certainly does, there's nowhere to hide, is no, there? No, there's not at all. Um, well, I hide behind the sofa thing. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be a lot of trust, I think, when mm. we're doing this, because there's some, the issues that we touch on and the things that we do to each other are quite horrible. Yeah. So I think as actors, you really have to trust each other to do that. Mm. It's good that we all get on as well. <laughs> At the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until you forget your lines on stage. Yeah, right? yeah. And then the friendship's <laughs> over. Yeah. One of the things I picked up from the, from, from the What's On guide, for example, and indeed from the booking, is that it's 18 and over. No, no under 18 is coming to watch. It's what's implied and right. it's what's going no, on. So apart from Luke in his underpants, there's mm. <laughs> we talk about a lot oh, of things. You don't yeah. actually get to see and it. Really, we're now, what, a month away, roughly, as we record this? Just thank you for that. Yeah, just yes. remind Gosh. us, thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to ask, everything going well? Where are the challenges lying? The lines? Yeah. It's very difficult to learn, isn't it? Yeah, because it's, it's wordy. Sorry. Sorry. And we did start a little bit later than the usual, you know, rehearsal schedule, I think, because of the stop-start. So, but sometimes that's, you know, G's everyone up <coughs> yeah. to be ready. You know, if, if you never G'd up now, then, you know. It's very snappy dialogue, and the way he yeah. writes, he just goes off at tangents, almost mm. in the same paragraph, and you think, oh, how am I going to remember that, how am I going to pick that one up? Um, so we have to, it has to be fast, it has to be tight, and you have to trust your, your fellow yeah, actors that you can pick up on it. Mm-hmm. It's been, fair, yeah, I mean, intense rehearsals, I think, are yeah. good yeah. things, because you, you know, there's no time to faff about, and, you, you know, we just get on with it, and we're quite a few rehearsals per week. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I sometimes think some productions in our non-professional world, uh, the, the, the rehearsal period goes on too long. Um, so sometimes it's nice to just really focus and get on with it. And, and that's what's happening here. Yeah. Joe Orton began writing plays in 1959 with Fred and Madge. The Visitors followed two years later. In 1963, the BBC paid him £65 for the radio play The Ruffian on the Stair, which was broadcast on the 31st of August 1964, 
and then substantially rewritten for the stage in 1966. He had completed entertaining Mr Sloan by the time the ruffian was broadcast. It premiered at the New Arts Theatre in Westminster on May 6, 1964, produced by Michael Codron. Reviews ranged from praise to outrage, with the Times describing it as making the blood boil more than any other British play in the last ten years. Entertaining Mr Sloan lost money in its three-week run, but critical praise from playwright Terence Rattigan, who invested £3,000 in it, ensured its survival. The play transferred to the Wyndham Theatre in the West End at the end of June and to the Queen's Theatre in October. Sloan tied for first in the Variety Critics' Poll for Best New Play and Orton came second for Most Promising Playwright. Within a year, Sloan was performed in New York, Spain, Israel and Australia, as well as made into a film. Orton and his partner Kenneth Halliwell were openly gay at a time when it was still illegal. Halliwell, it is suggested, started to become jealous of Orton's fame, as on August 9th, 1967, Halliwell bludgeoned the 34-year-old Orton to death at their home with nine hammer blows to the head. Halliwell then killed himself with an overdose. In 1970, the Sunday Times reported that four days before the murder, Orton had told a friend that he wanted to end the relationship with Halliwell, but did not know how to go about it. The nature of his death at such a young age, and with so much potential unfulfilled, has surely cemented Orton's place in the history of British drama. You can now find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search for Stables Theatre Hastings. Then, if you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review. And that way you'll be helping other people find our growing catalogue of podcasts. Thank you.